I like this music. Do y'all like this music? I like it. It's so chill. I'm just sitting here waiting and waiting, and the music's like, I'll be waiting. I was like, yeah, I'm waiting. <laughs> you know, Trey started a series last week called The Benefits of Being Stuck. And I want to continue with that series this week. You know, he talked about how we often feel stuck in our situation, our circumstances, that it can just lag on and on and on, and how some, some situations just seem impossible, you know, that there's no end in sight, that they just keep on going. And, um, you know, some of us can't wait to get married, right? Some of us can't wait for that significant other to show up in our lives. Some of us can't wait to begin that new career, um, start that new business, finish school, and some of us are just waiting to feel better. Anybody ever feel sick and tired of being sick and tired? Yeah, yeah. I can relate to that one at times in my life. I have felt the same way. You know, Trey talked about how the Lord has a plan and his timing is always perfect and that it's okay. This was my favorite part, I think, of, of the message. It's okay to be stuck, that it means that you're doing something important. I love that. Something important is happening in those moments that we feel stuck. I'm going to remember that the next time I find myself in a painful season of waiting. Waiting on God sometimes seems like the worst waiting of all. I don't know about you, but I hate to wait. I am not very patient when it comes to waiting. I think <laughs> Trey's up here going, amen. I, I want to just move on. Let's get with it. Let's fix the problem. Let's, you know, blaze on ahead. I just don't like to wait. And so this morning, I want to continue that series, like I said, and we're going to look at Simeon um, in the Bible. And our text is going to be Luke 2, 22 through 33. And before we get started, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we just thank you for this amazing opportunity we have, God, to just dive into your word, Father. I just pray, Lord, that you would come, that you would anoint my mouth, Father, that everything that comes out of my mouth would be heaven-sent, God. Father, I just pray that you would just um, help me to show your heart today and help me to um, just be able to articulate all that you want me to say, Father. I thank you, God, that you are here. We invite you to continue with us this morning. We know that you have already been ever-present, God, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So text, our text this morning is Luke 2, 22 through 33. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male was to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, 
a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. So here we see Simeon, right? And Simeon has been waiting. He has been waiting to see the consolation of Israel. He's waiting to see the Lord's Messiah. It has been promised to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he saw that. And I just thought that was so amazing. But the first thing I noticed in this scripture as he was waiting was that it was pointed out that he was righteous. He was righteous. And I started thinking about what that means. You know, what does that mean to be righteous? And I thought about the word Christian, right? We, we call ourselves Christian. Really, everyone calls themselves Christian today, whether they believe in the one true God or not. We have so many, so many organizations and people that claim to be Christian. I've had a conversation with my kids about this recently because they were like, well, they said they were Christian. And I'm like, okay, but they're not even following the one, the Bible, you know? <laughs> it's, it's not the Bible. They have their own Bible. And, and so, you know, but what does it mean? What does it mean to actually be righteous? And so I looked that up and was really studying what righteousness means. It has less to do with what you and I do externally and more to do with who we are internally. It is not behavioral modification. You know, I think sometimes we try to become more righteous by stopping X, Y, Z. You know, you fill in the blank. If I cuss a little less, if I stop watching those inappropriate movies, I'm going to be more righteous. I will become more like Jesus. But what's happening is we're trying to do those things in our own strength. We're trying to stop something in our life that has had a hold on us, and we're trying to do it. And, and you know, we might even succeed for a little while. We might be able, you know, have you ever seen those, those, you've probably been there. I've been there before where I've tried to stop something in my own strength, and I've been successful, and then all of a sudden, boom, back again, right? Back again. And that's because I'm trying to do this in my own strength. Choosing to stop whatever it is you might be struggling with does not make you righteous. It's a heart transformation, a spirit-filled change that brings righteousness. And then it is what then produces good works, right? So Proverbs 15, 9 says, the Lord detests the way of the wicked, but he loves those who pursue righteousness. You know, we have to pursue it. It is not a one-time thing. We don't get saved and boom, we're done, right? I am still pursuing righteousness in my life. I want a God-like kind of righteousness. I don't want a carry-like righteousness. I don't want righteousness in my own opinion and my, based on my own personality. I want a God-like righteousness. And I have to tell you, God's righteousness is his perfection in all things, in attitude, behavior, word, and deed. And this cannot be required in our own strength, or acquired in our own strength. We cannot pursue it without his power at work in us. And so that brings me to my second point this morning, that clarity comes in his presence. You know, I woke up the first of the year um, with 
this phrase just repeating over and over and over again in my spirit, clarity comes in his presence. And so I think God was trying to tell me something, right? Because it just kept repeating as I was waking up. And I was like, what is that, God? And I started thinking about how people have their word for the year, you know, like joy, peace, or love, and they stand on that word. And I felt like God was like, stand on this phrase. Just make this your phrase that you lean into this coming year. And so it's something that I have just been leaning into in every area of my life. You know, when God doesn't seem to be working on my behalf like I think he should, when things don't seem to be moving along as fast as I think they should, I lean into clarity comes in his presence. When I don't understand what God is doing, clarity comes in his presence. Have you ever noticed the tendency to become apathetic in several areas of your life whenever you feel stuck in one? I started thinking about that because I've noticed that whenever I feel stuck, seasons that I have felt stuck, like I couldn't move forward, and whatever it might be, I found that it started to kind of bleed into the other areas of my life as well. I became very apathetic. Like, you know, apathy is, is showing no interest, enthusiasm, concern. You become very indifferent. And I think, like, especially this past year with COVID and everything going on, we all felt a certain level of feeling stuck, you know? And I, I saw people just drifting from their faith drifting from church, drifting from God. And I think a spirit of apathy was settling over God's people. And we have to be careful in the seasons of feeling stuck, not to let apathy take over in all areas of our life. The enemy wants to use that. He wants to use that very important time to pull you away from your purpose and everything that matters. You know, verse 27, Simeon it said Simeon was being led by the Spirit. He knew to go to the temple that day. How did he know to go to the temple that day? He had spent time in the presence of the Lord. He had clarity. He knew what he was supposed to do on that very day. And I believe that in this season, as believers, God is going to be using us in the same way. He's going to be leading us in the same, same way. But in order to do so, we have to build ourselves up in the faith, especially in seasons of waiting. You know, one way that we can do that is by praying in the Holy Spirit. I was just reading yesterday in Jude that the believers were instructed to build themselves up in the faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. We have to pray in the Holy Spirit. We have to pray in the Holy Spirit. Worship is another way. You know, worship is just not something we come in and just watch and are like, wow, they're great singers, they're amazing, or something that we choose not to participate in. Worship is a weapon. It is a weapon. It is spiritual warfare. Worship is important. Staying in the word. We have to stay in the word so that we can be built up during seasons of waiting. You know, like Simeon, God may prompt us to do something out of our ordinary routine. But we have to position ourselves in a way to hear him, to see him, to feel him, to know him. We have to position ourselves. I love what Trey said last week. Are you actually waiting on God or is he waiting on you? 
in his presence, clarity comes. But sometimes, you know, it's important that we are in his presence because sometimes the promise looks different than we imagined. Sometimes we're believing for a certain promise and we're expecting it to show up in a certain way or look a certain way or come at a certain time, and it's usually, most of the time, quite different. And, you know, the Jewish rabbis of Jesus' day had scripture memorized word for word, like memorized word for word. Yet, when the word stood right in front of them, they couldn't see him. The Messiah, the promised Messiah that they were believing and waiting for was right in front of their eyes, and they couldn't, they couldn't see him. Most of the time, it looks different. Sometimes we try to make our promise happen, right? We get impatient, and we settle for that relationship that we know God's hand isn't really quite on, and we try to make that promise happen before it's time. And I just have to tell you that when you make a promise, you're going to miss one, and it's going to be the right one, and you don't want to miss the one that God has for you. You don't want to try in your own strength to get unstuck, because usually we're worse off in that situation. You know, I um, was reminded of a situation in Trey, Trey in my life where we had been believing for a little girl from China. Um, many of you have heard this story before and some of you have not, but um, before I was even married, I believed that I was going to adopt a little girl from China. I just knew that that was what God had for me, and I just believed that for years and years and years. And um, we had gotten married, and we were both in agreement to that. And um, one year we decided to go ahead and start that process, but we had not saved up for it or anything, but we just knew that it was coming. It was coming so soon. And can I just tell you that one by one, God brought people that had themselves been adopted to us to say, we're going to help fundraise for this. We're going to help make this happen. And we were like, what? And they were like, we're just, you know, tears just rolling down their face. God, God wants us to help you guys get this little China rose. And we were like, okay, that's amazing. And, you know, we raised all $22,000 worth of money for that to happen. And, and I can tell you that it wasn't Trey and I doing it. It was people that God had laid their hearts on to help us make this happen. And we had our dossier. We sent everything to China. Everything was great. And all of a sudden, China closed their doors to healthy adoptions. And we were like, okay, well, you know, they can as much, you know, as soon as they closed them, they can open them right back up, right? And, you know, I have to tell you, this was like how many years ago? 2006, I think, is when we did our dossier. 2006 is when we sent everything to China and through our adoption agency. And then so we were in this waiting process for a long, long time, and I just knew that God, you know, his hand was on this, and he was going to open that door just as sure as he had brought people to us to help us make this happen. And we kept waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And um, then it was brought to our attention that there were three beautiful children up for adoption. And, you know, my response in that moment was, that's just great. I will pray that God will provide the right person for that. That's amazing. Three? And um, I was like, we're, we're believing for this one, you know? And, and um, through a series of events that I just, it, that's a whole nother story and, and God's story, um, God opened the door wide open and showed us that this is what he had for us. 
And I thought, but what about China Rose? We can't, we can't hold off on China Rose because all these people are invested in her and, you know, we're going to have to talk to our adoption agency and, and when you're dealing with China, they're very strict about those kinds of things. And so we called our adoption agency and I just knew they were going to say, absolutely not. You need to make a certain amount of income. You know, there was all these things that they could say no to. And lo and behold, they said, we're going to make an exception. We're going to let you adopt these three, and then you can still adopt China Rose. And I was shocked, to be honest. I was completely shocked. And so I said, okay, um, oh, wow. You know, I said, okay, and then I said, oh, wow. You know, and, and so we brought in these three beautiful children into our home. And can I tell you, we still don't have our China Rose. And if you look at the statistics, it says we won't until I'm 70. And I'm like, what happened? You know, what happened, God? But the point is, I could sit there and wait on that promise that's supposed to look Chinese. And it's supposed to be from China. Or I can focus on the three promises that God gave me. The three beautiful promises that he provided to me. And can I just tell you, they are beautiful. They are beautiful beautiful promises that God has given us. And they are amazing children that love the Lord. And I'm so proud of them. You know, one of them was, he was on the drums this morning. And um, anyway, I just want to say that sometimes your promise is right in front of you. And you need to have clarity in his presence to be able to see the promises that God has already given to you. Sometimes the promise looks different. It says, Simeon picked up the baby. He picked up this random baby that came into the temple with his parents and said, you're the Messiah. I've seen the Messiah. Like, I can't even imagine thinking that, you know, but he knew. He knew in the spirit that this was the promised Messiah. I want to be so full of God that I see the promises every time they walk in the door. Some of you have been praying for a specific thing, and God has already answered, and you're still praying for it. He's already answered you. You just can't see it. You know, we need to stay in his presence so we recognize what he's showing us. The third thing I want to say this morning is that waiting brings joy. Sure doesn't feel like it in the moment, though, does it? I I said earlier I hate to wait. The seasons of waiting that I have had to go through have been the least fun times in my life. But we don't know how long Simeon waited. You know, it could have been a long time. It may have been a short time. If I was to guess, I would say he waited for a long time. Because if we look back to the Song of Simeon in verses 29 through 32, he says to the Lord, now that I have seen the Messiah, I can move on from this life. And I'm thinking if I was young and I saw the promise, I would want to stick around and enjoy it for a while you know, but so that makes me think he was probably up in years and ready to move on with his life. And so, you know, waiting can be short. It can be long. How, and you're probably saying, yes, but how long? Dear God, how long do I have to, you know, my son Jordan, he had plans to get married when he was 16. And he's now 18. He's been waiting two years. He still doesn't have a girlfriend, and that's okay. But You know, and he's since decided he's not quite ready. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Because he was determined, 16, I'm going to be married. And so we, you know, we see 
in the Bible, God's faithfulness to his children over and over again. And we read in, in a chapter or in a few verses, you know, they waited on the Lord for this and then God answered. And it all happens within a chapter. But we need to read a little more carefully because we tend to skim over the part where it was 40 years or Sarah was 90 before she conceived. You know, um, Hannah, they think she waited 19 years before she had her baby. Joseph sat in prison for two years for something he did not do before he was released. The Israelites wandered in the wilderness for 40 years before they entered the promised land. And Daniel prayed and fasted for three weeks before he received his breakthrough. You know, we just don't know how long. We don't know how long. I um, have a friend that I was in ministry with before here at another church and she never dated she was single, she was beautiful, very talented, and she was just determined to wait for the right person, and she was not going to do the dating scene or any of that, and, you know, I have to be honest with you, I thought, she is never going to get married, because, like, she would be, she would go home every night and be in, be at home by eight o'clock at night, like, she just had this routine, very strict routine, and she loved the Lord, and she was just very disciplined, and I thought, well, gosh, she just doesn't even put herself out there. How is she ever? But she just knew what she wanted. She was set in, in waiting. And do you know that she got married at 40 years old? 40 years old. And she has a beautiful baby, a wonderful husband. She never settled. She waited on the Lord. I love that story. She, um, her dad was a pastor. And she was in visiting his church because she actually served in ministry at our church, but she was back visiting her dad's church and he had a guest speaker that had come. And this guest speaker was single. And wouldn't you know that he got up to preach and he saw her in the audience and he began to sweat. Like he just began to sweat and fall apart because he just felt this strong connection to someone that he didn't even know. Isn't that amazing? And she's married to him today. She's happily married to him and has a beautiful child. She waited on the Lord and she has much joy in her life because of it. When you don't have the answer that you are looking for, when you don't know what to do, don't move. Wait, wait. Waiting brings joy. You know, there's three things that I want to leave you with this morning that I think we should remember while we're waiting on God. And the first one this morning is that it is always for our benefit. It is always for our benefit. James 1.4 says, learn well how to wait so you will be strong and complete and in need of nothing. Trey said it last week. And I'll say it again, time is on our side. Time is on our side. You know, I, um, when I think back to painfully long periods of waiting, um, I, can, I can think of a, an instance. I've had seasons of waiting, several seasons of waiting in my life, and I'm sure I'm not finished. I'm, I'm really glad that I'm not in one of those painfully long seasons right now. And as some of you might be, but um, when, I, when I think back to those moments of waiting, I think about the temptation to quit, the temptation to give up, and the even stronger temptation, temptation to try to fix things in my own strength, to 
to, to try to just take a hold of things because I'm just so tired of waiting. And I just have to say that in one of my stories, I'm so glad that I didn't move. I'm so glad that I didn't move, that I waited on the Lord because I can tell you um, when he finally answered, I was so grateful to have the answers that I needed. But even in those moments, there have been times where I've gone, but why did you take so long, God? Why did you take so long to answer me? Like, why couldn't you have told me two years ago and saved me a lot of grief, a lot of waiting, a lot of just not knowing, and, and you, you could have just filled in the pieces for me a lot sooner. And as I spent time in his presence, he began to show me had he answered me when he answered, when I wanted him to, oh my God, life would have been such a mess for me. Things would have gotten so out of hand. Like I would have been living in a nightmare had he answered when I asked, had he done things in my timing, it would not have been for my benefit. It would not have been protecting me. He, is, he was protecting me. He is protecting you in your seasons of waiting. You just don't know it and you don't understand it. And sometimes we never will. Sometimes we don't get to have that where we understand why. But in this specific instance, I could clearly see why I had to wait. And I'm so grateful that I did because like I said, I was so tempted to take matters into my own hands. There are many, many reasons why we wait. Many reasons. Sometimes he's protecting us. Sometimes he's growing us. And sometimes it's just to fortify our trust in him and him alone as he proves himself faithful. And whatever the reason is, we have to remember that it is always for our benefit. The second thing I want us to remember is that we need to put our hope in the right place. Psalm 62, 5 says, My soul, wait in silence for God only, for my hope is from him. I have to ask you this morning, is your hope in the promise or the promise keeper. We have to come close to him every day to ensure that we're carrying his presence because the longer we stay away from him, the less of his presence that we have and the more likely we have the tendency to try to fix things on our own. My third thing that I want you to remember this morning is that he is faithful. He is faithful. You know, this, this morning, I was a wreck during worship this morning because um, I was thinking of how faithful, how faithful he has always been. And I can tell you, I have had some painful seasons of waiting. But he has always been faithful, always been faithful. You know, Michaela was talking about nightmares and I wrote this message and I was thinking a lot about my seasons of waiting and I had a nightmare last night. She didn't know, she didn't know that. I, le I looked over at Trey and I said, did you tell her I had a nightmare last night? And he said, no. Um, God is always faithful. He is always, always faithful. Isaiah 49, 23 says, then you will know that I am the Lord. Those who hope in me, this end of that verse says, we will not be disappointed we will not be disappointed. 
You know, we have a tendency, like the Israelites, to forget. We quickly forget what God has done for us. We have to remember. We have to remember what he has done. You know, the Israelites, he did so many amazing things. Separated the Red Sea. He dropped manna from heaven. He brought them out of Egypt. I mean, so many big, huge, miraculous things. And I know God has done things like that in your life because he's done them in mine. But we forget especially in our season of waiting, we forget. And so we have to remember to remember that he is faithful. Remember what he has done for you. Review the many times that God has come through. Won't he do it again? Yes, he will do it again. So in closing this morning, there's one thing that we don't ever have to wait for, and that is salvation. We never have to wait, and there's never a better time than now. If you have never accepted Jesus into your heart and life, I want to invite you to do that this morning. And so if you'll bow your heads and close your eyes with me, I just have to ask if there's anyone here that has not yet accepted Jesus into your heart and life, and you want to do that, if you would raise your hand, I just want to pray a prayer with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Church, if you would pray with me. Father, we ask you right now to come into our heart and life. We make you Lord from this moment forward. We ask you to take control. We give all to you. Thank you for forgiving us, God of every sin, every failure, every mistake. We thank you that it's covered by the blood. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, let's celebrate, church. Let's celebrate. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You know, if you just accepted Jesus into your heart and life, we want to invite you to type next. N-E-X-T to 512-980-1220. Thank you guys for being with us this morning. We love you.